Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to KHS 1220 in 98.1 FM. Well, we went for another year, 2023. If you have not listened to the show in the last six years, well, you know, you missed a lot. And by the way, some of the things we've done over the last six years, we had the founder of Oatly Milk was on our show. They became a publicly traded corporation. So we've had some really, really impressive guests. We've had the founder of the Learning Act who created the Learning Annex, a huge, huge education program where people can learn things, and many, many other big businesses and corporations. And, of course, our sponsor, Albany Farms and Legal Steps, have all provided us with a lot deal of information about their companies, and we're really, really excited to have another great, awesome year. Now, we're going to go ahead and explain to you why Brian is spelled with an E, because no, I'm not Irish. I don't go to the O'Brien pub. Although, by the way, I did ask an O'Brien pub three days ago, and I was like, wow, we should just take that sign and put it on our show. But without any further interruptions, we're going to ask <laughs> our engineer who begins with an E, why do you spell Brian with an E? So, Matt, welcome. Happy New Year. Glad to have you back. So explain. Thank you. Great to be back. Happy New Year, Peter. Uh, I don't know if you heard just now. I did get a uh, round of applause in there for you. Were you able to hear that over the phone no, or no? No, no. Oh, okay. See, no, so no, even, no, me I neither. even if you know, I did have these things set up and ready for you, you wouldn't even be able to hear them anyway. So you know. Wow. Well, you need to me on and say, you know, I will make sure to have rounds of applause and I will give you a text if you're not in the studio next time to make sure that they are happening. All right. I'm your, well, I'm only I'm, not in the office because we have a deluge. Yes. It's and a, obviously uh, everybody knows what a deluge is. <laughs> it's a pineapple express <laughs> is what they're calling it right now. The pineapple express. That's, well, that's what I heard. <laughs> well, there's, there's many reasons why we call our show, your show, really ask Brian and why we our show. It's tracing out tracing Peter's show. Correct. Correct. <laughs> That's the, me again. Woohoo! That's all I know how to do today. Woohoo! <laughs> well, the reason. We 20 more woohoos and we're done. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> the reason it's spelt with an E, there are many, but uh, the first and foremost, E is for education because we try to educate our listeners each week about business. That's a great concept, and uh, we can always be educated. It doesn't matter if you're 90 or 2, you can always learn something, right? And any time you can learn something, you're only improving yourself mentally, and you'll be better off for it. So we do like to educate. We do like to teach. Absolutely. What are the other reasons why Brian is spelled with an E, though? E is also for experts, because our guests are experts in their field. Wow. Now, somebody asked me, okay, how do you become an expert? But not only how do you become one, and I know that Matt knows the answer, but in case he doesn't, I'll just remind people, you can become an expert by going to com and applying to become an expert. Not everyone will become an expert, but you can apply to be one. Now, we have some tips 
on how to become an expert. Now, there's some type of requirement, and Matt knows those, and because it's 2023, he's going to let the word out. What do you need to do to become an expert, Matt? Well, Peter, you need to dedicate yourself to your craft or your field, your industry, whatever it may be, for a total of 10,000 hours to be considered an expert. 10,000 hours? 10,000 hours. What am I going to have to work till 200? Well, we could break it down piecemeal. If we're looking at 52 weeks in a year, we're going to cut it down to 50. So you can go to Mexico, Cancun, wherever you please for a little vacation. Hawaii. Hawaii, not a bad answer. (laughs) 40 hours working per week. So you go 40 hours per week times 50 weeks. That's 2,000 hours in a year. So it takes about five years. But as we always say, no successful, quote, key on quote successful entrepreneur is only working 40 hours a week. It's more like double that. Double? That's like on a, on a half week, but yeah. Maybe during Christmas was half time. Yeah. yeah. So maybe on, on Christmas week, you might work 80. But you actually, by the way, you just enter a new E that, you know, entrepreneur. So I don't know why you're kind of trying to tie it into do a two for one or whatever. Maybe Maybe it's like, how can I get out of this? situation yes yes i was trying to segue which has two e's in it (laughs) e is for entrepreneur because most of our listeners are business owners well that that's correct and entrepreneurs are the lifeblood of america that's how we build our business look at it even the biggest corporations in the world in the amazons it was took an entrepreneur like jeff bezos to create a company like that and in many many years where he wasn't successful on a profit standpoint before I actually became a profitable company. So it can take a long time. You have to have a long, long, tenacious time period to be able to keep on doing the same thing even when people say no. So entrepreneurship is a great, great functionality. So what are the other reasons, though, why we have E's? Well, E is also for, and I'm going to take my headphones off here, Excellent. No, I'm not going to say for enthusiasm because being enthusiastic leads to excellent results. Another E. I thought it leads to excitement. <laughs> That's what you're talking oh, about. Okay. You, you took me in a different direction there. Okay. I'll tell you what, Peter. There's nothing I get more excited for than the Ask Brian show. Being here on Thursday <laughs> at 1 o'clock. Oh, my I, God. He just lied to your face. That's not true. So I, I, I lied over I the phone. A lot. He gets paid so much money, he doesn't want to go anywhere. It's like, really? I can get that much money? I mean, last week I raised him to $1 a year now. So oh. he's like making so much money, he doesn't even know what to do with it. He's yeah. Like, I'm yeah. just going to retire and sit on, sit on my island and just get, eat coconuts and pina coladas. Yeah, I'm like Scrooge McDuck over here. I'm diving into a <laughs> chest full of money. <laughs> well, I'll leave you with this one here. He's also for empathy because being in someone else's shoes helps you to understand your audience, customers, products, and services. But you missed out one of the biggest E's. And our co-host and guest today, she's playing dual role. Can I get a drum roll? Two. Made that up. <laughs> a guest and a co-host, so that, 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 that's a lot. But you missed her favorite one. Yes. And it's Greek Lightning. Translated, we are electrifying. Woohoo! I see the wizards are contagious. I told you. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, are there any other E's or we come off? I think we hit them all. E's for engineering, but you covered that. I'm the engineer, and, uh, well, I think that's really all. Well, I would just add, make, make sure, you know, the entrepreneur should be a separate one, but also experience. You know uh, what? You're right. Experience counts. Thanks a lot, Matt. We're glad to have you here. But now we're going to go over, and we're going to start our show. Now, a couple of things. And, excuse me, I missed my, my quotation. Without any further ado, and how do you spell ado, and why do I like it? You spell ado, at least everyone, I believe, spells it this way, A-D-I-E-U, and it's your favorite because it has one consonant, and the rest of the letters are vowels. Absolutely correct. Anyway, last week we had a show, and we, we started off with four items, and we're just going to go through them really quickly, and then we're going to start with the rest. This is our top ten list. And every, everybody has a top ten list at the end of the year. We have our top ten. So, one, develop a strong brand identity. Two, optimize social media. Three, invest in content marketing. And four, use email marketing. Those are the four we discussed last week. And we're not going to repeat them. If you want to listen to the episode one, which is our part one, you can gladly do so. It's available on podcast. Now we're going to go into other reasons and other explanations for our top 10 list. So one of these items was one paid advertising campaigns. Now, the question I have there is that sounds very expensive for the entrepreneurs trying to save every dollar and knows that dollars make them last longer or her last longer in terms of without dollars, you can't survive. So how do you run a paid advertising campaign, especially when you have limited funds? So glad you asked. And actually, I'm going to answer that by sharing a story of a real-time conversation that I had with a producer podcast client yesterday. So she really wants to get some traction on her show. And this is for anybody, whether you're trying to grow a podcast or just move product online, sell online courses, any of those things. And that is just start where you are. So yes, you can end up spending hundreds or thousands or hundreds of thousands on paid advertising campaigns, but the one thing that you can do just to start out that's simple and efficient is that when you are posting on your social media, let's say for Facebook, for example, is that you can just simply boost a post, and you can put a dollar behind it. You can put $5 behind it. You can put $50 behind it, but it, what it does is it you know, that just gives you that opportunity to get your message out to more people. The algorithms on social have changed so much. It's really hard to even just, you know, get in front of people who have opted in to see your stuff. And that's, I think, by design because they want you to pay for ads. But, but basically, you can just start out by putting your toe in the water and by just boosting posts or creating ads and scheduling them and, you get to determine what your budget is, and that's the best way to get started. And then a lot of Google ads are really impactful for showing up and if people are searching certain keywords like trademark and patent attorney in Los Angeles, for example. And wow, what is that? <laughs> I don't know. I know one. I know a good one. So then when people are searching for specific things like that, if you are – putting a budget behind Google AdWords, then you have an opportunity to then show up on the front page 
of Google versus, you know, where you might just arbitrarily show up. So there are a lot of different ways that you can get started with it. I think for me, I recommend starting with a small budget, test how the ads are converting, and then just increase your budget as your client base grows. So a couple of things on that. I know that when I signed up, one of the companies that I have, Google was very, very easily giving out $500 to go ahead and, and run the ads. They give you $500. Now, obviously, if you're, you know, trying to run in the medical, legal area or competitive area, $500 will be, okay, you ran two ads, you're done, right? But for most small business owners and most entrepreneurs that are just starting out, you know, if you can niche it down, when I say niche it down, I mean going to a very, very small, specific area that's really not getting thousands of hits, that $500 can last you a little bit longer. Also, I've heard of people that can also use Facebook ads, and some of the Facebook ads aren't as expensive as, as those ads on Google, and so that's another way to do it. So the first question is, do you think that Google and Facebook are the ways to go with paid advertising? Or do you think we should go on some lesser-known ones like a YouTube or LinkedIn or uh, Instagram or Pinterest? Well, I think most importantly, you really want to just figure out where your audience is living because that's where you want to show up, where you're going to meet your audience where they are, and then figure out, okay, so if my audience is going to be maybe a tally female and I have and I sell um, jewelry online, let's say, for example, then Pinterest might be a really good fit for me because it might be a little bit less expensive or even more than just the budget being more expensive or less expensive, it's going to be more cost efficient because you're going to actually hit a better quality of people that can engage with your brand and your product and have higher conversions based on that. So sometimes it's about quality versus quantity, but the most important thing to determine before you spend the first dime on any paid advertising is making sure that you're going to reach the person who is going to convert into wanting to do business with you. So two questions I have. One is, you meant testing, right? So how much do you have to spend to test, and how do you know if the test is successful if you don't have a lot of people going? I mean, in other words, I mean, if you're only spending $50, you may not get any responses. That doesn't mean that that could just as well mean that you didn't spend enough money. So how do you know if your test is working, and how much is the minimum amount that you think you have to pay to find out if it's working? Well, so that's a great question because when I am saying testing how the ads are converting, what I'm really referencing is not necessarily, again, the quantity of the people responding to the ads as much as I'm saying, like, let's say you put one ad out that has one particular image and one particular call to action and you put another ad out that has a different call to action and a different image, but you're ultimately trying to generate business with both ads, and you run them side by side, and then you can then test to see, oh, okay, well, this image is actually working better than this other image, and people are responding more to this ad, so I'm going to invest more money in the ad that's getting more engagement, and minimize the ad that's not, or the call to action, maybe it's a learn more button versus a buy now button, and people are not ready to buy right now, but their behavior is indicating that they are willing to learn more, and so what that says to you as a business owner is like, my product is not an instant purchase 
the decision is not being made instantaneously from this ad, but people are interested in learning more. So I want to take those learnings and apply it to the landing page and make sure that the landing page is converting. So it's really about testing the messaging, the content, the call to action. And then once you see, so even if you have only have a sample size of 50 total people, you can still get an analysis of which of the percentage of the ads are converting in a higher way. But isn't it true that that could be based on a meeting you pick? So, for instance, let's say we have image A and we have image B. So we have image A and we have image B and we're running an ad on Google. And we've got 20 people engaging in A and two people engaging in B. But we could take that same ad and put it on Facebook or Pinterest or another place and it could be reversed, right? So it's not just, so in other words, the validity of the test, that's an interesting question too, right? It depends, I guess, on which medium you're using because it may work on one medium and not on another. Oh, I think you're absolutely right about that. But then I think that still comes back to really determining which medium is where your target audience lives the most because let's say you, uh, let's again, let's kind of use this trademark and planetary thing. So let's say you do one image that has a picture of you working with a client but then maybe there's another ad that you do that has a, somebody behind bars with a big X across it. And so maybe the, the shocking ad has the, with the person behind bars with the red X across it is going to get more attention. But that might get more attention on a Facebook or like an Instagram post, whereas you having the credibility of, of a picture of you working with your client and the sophisticated more subject matter expert image would work really well on LinkedIn. So you just have to know who you, you want to think through who you're talking to on your ad and is it a platform that lends to more fun and creative high-catching ads, for example, like an Instagram reel or something like that would versus a LinkedIn that's more traditional in its scope of the type of things that you normally see on that platform. So how do you determine where your best place the market is you know how do you know if it's facebook or google or linkedin or instagram or tiktok or anywhere or youtube how do you know i think there's a couple things to take into consideration i think one is first are you a business to business marketer are you marketing to other professionals are you advertising for career oriented you know career finding services are you a digital marketing agency that targets businesses so the business to business component Versus are you a business-to-consumer marketer where you're marketing products and services to a wider array of more of a lifestyle business where you may be selling products, uh, where you may be selling services that span across all types of cultures and ethnicities and things like that. So first of all, you want to, you know, look at that particular Direction And so if you're more of a B2B, then you're going to want to focus, let's say, for example, on LinkedIn because it's likely that you have more professionally targeted audience there. Then the second thing to take into consideration is are you a visual medium for, I mean, or do you need a visual medium to really promote your product? So let's say, are you an artist? Are you an interior design business? Do you need people to see your products? Are you selling clothes, shoes, jewelry? Are you a hairstylist that needs to do before and afters, makeup artist, things like that? 
So in that case, you would want to really migrate towards a visual medium. So that would be your TikToks, your Pinterest, your Instagrams, because that way you can showcase your products better in a visual way. Although I will say one of our most successful clients has been podcasting for four years. They're in their fifth season now as an interior designer, and they have worked really, really well with podcasting because they have good camaraderie within each other, kind of like you and me, Peter. And, um, and so those are exceptions, not the rules, but typically, you know, when you're making your decisions, think of those two things first, B2B, B2C, and visual versus non-visual, and you should be able to get good traction starting out. And then once you start, then look and see who's giving you the most likes, who's giving you the most engagement, where are you getting the most comments, and then narrow it down to like one platform before you, and then start spending your paid ads there. So which platform would you recommend for Ask Brian? To Ask Brian, I think LinkedIn is a perfect platform for Ask Brian because we are targeting people who are growing and launching, growing, and scaling businesses. And typically that is audience that is highly engaged in on LinkedIn. So I would start there, which we do. So And it works for us. So that's good. Thanks a lot. So the next one we have on our list is collaborate with influencers and thought leaders. So the question is, how do you do this? It's easy to say collaborate with influencers and thought leaders, okay, but how do you do that? I mean, you know, people out there, I mean, we're not going to collaborate with Elon Musk, right? He's probably the, one of the greatest influencers out there. I don't even think money's an object with him, so I don't even think he offered him a million dollars. He might not even say yes. So the question is, how do you collaborate with influencers? How do you find these people, and how do you find that they connect? Because the average person is not running a billion-dollar business, they're running a small business, and how do you find these people, and what would you look for? Well, so one of the things that you can do if you're just, let's say you are wanting to explore the idea of aligning with influencers and thought leaders is start doing research about who are the influencers and the thought leaders in your specific space. So if you know, for example, that you have some certain icons that they may not be famous people like Elon Musk, but they might have really good brand names in your business category. So in the tech space, in the marketing space, and let's say Seth Godin, for example, is a a really well-known person in the marketing space, look at maybe you feel like, okay, well, Seth Godin, he's a little unobtainable for me. I'm just starting out. Okay, great. But who is he connecting with as other experts? And who is he having on his YouTube videos? Who is he interviewing? Who is he talking about? And just, you know, start somewhere. And then if you have a list of, let's say, the top 10 brand influencers in your space, then just start doing outreach. You can do some subtle things like you can follow them on their social networks. You can comment on the posts that they make. You can send them direct messages. So it's just like with anything else, you want to think about like you don't just walk into a cocktail party and go up to, you know, the most famous person there and just be like, hey, I want you to market my business for me. That's probably not going to go well. I mean, you could do that, but it's probably not going to go well for you. But maybe you... In this cocktail party scenario, you 
find somebody who knows the person, ask them if they can introduce you to them. Maybe you start a small conversation and then at that point you exchange contact information and then you message them after that. So it's just that the collaborating with influencers and thought leaders has the same amount of principles as building any relationship. If you have a product, I was actually just Mm -hmm. reading an article in Forbes Woman Today about the founder of Sprinkles Cupcakes based there in Los Angeles. And when she very first started, she's probably, you know, the household name in cupcakes. But when she very first started, she was taking her cupcakes to hotel concierge. She was taking it to business owners. She was taking it, you know, she was delivering her product, literally taking cupcakes to people to build her brand that way. And then she was getting in front of people who would then talk about her brand and share her brand. And so if you have a product you can send to people or deliver to people so that they can sample it, then that's another way. And then if you have a budget that you can associate with this marketing strategy, then you can hire PR firms, you can hire influencer agencies, and they do all the research for you, and they connect you to the influencers, and then you actually invest in a paid marketing strategy so that the influencers are actually then paid to market your product. But you have to make sure that those influencers are disclosing that they're getting paid to market your product. Otherwise, everybody gets in trouble. But I still don't understand where am I supposed to find these influencers? I mean, is there like a computer program? I mean, where am I going to find a list? And how do I know that the people I'm contacting are really influencers? I could sit there and say, I'm an influencer, but how do you know? Well, some of it's going to be determined on what kind of budget you have. Because like I said, if you have a budget that you can allocate towards this, then your best bet is to hire a specialty expert in the space, like a PR firm. Influencer marketing agencies have gotten really popular over the last few years. But if you're doing and kind of digging into this research on your own, one of the things that you can do is... Look at, let's say, for example, podcasts. You can go to Apple Podcasts. You can search your business category. You can look at what the top-rated shows are within Apple because that's third-party data. So I could tell you, oh, I have the top-rated podcast in XYZ. But you're going to see in um, the actual rankings who has top podcasts in that space. Then at that point, you can look at other shows like this show, or you can look at the episodes that this podcaster has released and who they're, who's guesting on their podcast. And one of the best ways to actually create an influencer brand for yourself and a thought leadership position for yourself is you don't even have to have a podcast to do that. You can actually guest on other people's podcasts. So like, for example, we have a lot of experts that come and join our show here on Ask Brian, and we repurpose that as a podcast that people can download and listen to. And so you can start by, in terms of collaborations with influencers, you don't have to pay. Typically, you do not have to pay to be a guest on someone else's podcast. So that's a way for you to collaborate and associate your name with other influencers in your business category. And then you have a piece of content that you can share out with your audience that shows your audience that you're credible because you've been interviewed by this influencer. And then there's literal services that match you, that you can pay a subscription, that you can be matched with influencers or matched with podcasts to guest on and things like that. So there are various different ways to get this information in reputable ways, but you always do need to be careful and do your homework. 
Okay, that, that's great advice. Now, when you're researching podcasts, you can do the same things, whether or not it's YouTube or Instagram or whatever. Are those numbers, to your knowledge, verifiable? In other words, how do you know when somebody says on YouTube or Instagram, five billion followers? How do you know? I mean, it's not five billion, five million, whatever. How do you know if they're telling you the truth? Well, on social media platforms, it's pretty easy because it's hard to fudge that in the way that you can see. So, so for Instagram, for example, you can see how many followers someone has on Instagram. I just happen to literally be watching this Kenny video yesterday, just, just saying I was. And because he's raising funds for a dog rescue and his dog just passed away, and it was an amazing video. But anyway, I digress. The reason I say that, I mean, Kenny Chesney, pretty solid influencer in the country music space, using his influence for good to raise money for a pet shelter for rescues. And he has like 1.2 million followers on his YouTube and or Instagram. And then you can also get even more deep dive on that by you can see how many views or likes are on that actual episode itself. So it's pretty hard to fudge those numbers because they are presented public facing. And that's your best place to start. In terms of other areas like newsletter subscriptions, podcast downloads, things like that, the average consumer doesn't have access to that information. You do have to go on trust. So credibility is an important factor. You don't want to align yourself with anyone who's not credible in all areas anyway because you don't want your brand to be at risk. A brand safety is a big, hot topic in marketing right now. So there are third-party data options that you can pay or subscribe to that will give you insights into people's following subscriptions and downloads and things like that in comparison to other influencers in the industry. So there are ways to extract that data, but the easiest and cleanest and cheapest way to do that initially is just to look at their social media accounts. I find it so interesting that like a, a lot of social media services, for example, they will market themselves as social media experts, but then you go and look at their social media and they don't have any followers or, and you're like, okay, well, are you a shoemaker with no shoes or do you really know how to do social media? So you need to be aware of those type of things too. Well, that's awesome. Well, we have a, a lot of things to go over. And so first of all, Tracy, some people are asking, you know, either A, I didn't get the whole show or I want to listen to more stuff. How can people listen to the Ask Ryan radio show slash podcast? It's available now on Spotify and Apple. Well, the best thing that you can do is wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. You mentioned Apple, Spotify, but we're also on all Google, SiriusXM, Pandora, YouTube, you name it. So go to wherever you're listening to your favorite, currently listening to your favorite podcast and download and follow the Ask Brian podcast. And don't forget that's A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N, Ask Brian podcast. And you will be able to take a listen not only to the marketing tips that we gave out on last week's show and this week's show, but also all of our other phenomenal episodes with all of our guest experts. Well, that's great. I'm sure people have only listened to part of the show or want to listen to something that have got other things they're working on. So it's a great opportunity to do that. Item seven, we went through six so far. Item seven, we have is host events or workshops. And my first question is, when you're talking about host events or workshops, does this include webinars and it's just webinars or subcategory? 
No, it definitely includes webinars, and I think that's an important thing to note about events and workshops. The pandemic just completely turned the world upside down in terms of what was possible for in-person versus online. And again, just to talk to a client that I was speaking with yesterday that owns a digital marketing agency, they had a very successful Believe in Better healthcare conference that they did in 2019. And it was an amazing event in Minnesota. And then they converted it into virtual. And when I was talking to, and that's a full-blown like TEDx-style type conference and ultimately was a business development tool for their digital marketing agency. They focus on healthcare businesses. And they had such a great experience in person that when the pandemic happened, they converted that event into virtual. And then as a result of that, they were able to really expand their reach because people who couldn't travel to the in-person event were able to attend virtually. And they've made the decision going forward to only host it as a virtual event. And the same goes, webinars are obviously always online, but the more you can showcase yourself as a leader in the space, that you can present content in the way that webinars really highlight subject matter expertise. Um, You can invite other people in your industry. You can collaborate. This is This is another real great way to collaborate with influencers and thought leaders is to invite them to be a part of your webinar, your workshop, your event, online summit, in person, and things like that. And then that way, the the really nice little nugget of successful marketing strategy around that by inviting these other people is that you can leverage their fans and followers because you would ask them to share out to their audience that they're participating in this event. So it's a win-win for everybody. So when you talk about events, workshops, and webinars, you're, you're thinking that you're going to usually invite other people on it. So you were breaking up a little bit, but I think what you were asking is, with most of these events and workshops, are you going to be inviting other people who are experts in their space versus you just hosting it on your own? And the reason you want to do that is not only to expand the reach for your own event so that those people can market it out on your behalf, but also just to expand your knowledge base because you may be a very deep dive expert in one vertical category of business and let's just say, again, healthcare marketing. But if you are, if that's the only area that you can really speak on, but you want to expand and let's say, talk through mental health in the healthcare space right now, then you might want to invite a psychologist on or if you want to bring on a CEO of a hospital and how they're handling diversity and inclusion in the workplace. And so those are things that you may not be able to add as much value to from a content perspective, but you're bringing in these other content and showcasing their expertise. But what's really beneficial is not necessarily just the benefit that you get from the marketing but also the benefit that your listeners and your viewers get because they're going to learn more with that expanded outreach of experts. They're going to learn more in the psychology aspect. They're going to learn more in the diversity and inclusion aspect that you can't maybe provide to them. So you get the reciprocity and the gratitude from these people because they've learned from your product, your summit, your workshop, and that you've presented this information to them that they may not be able to get elsewhere. And that's, that's great information. As an attorney, I do have to point out one thing, and that is people don't even think about this, but if you're going to have other guests on your show like that in that manner, you may want to have them sign something that says, listen, all my content is allowed to be used, a license to be used by yourself, because they may decide one day to say, well, I want to get a piece of it. So 
That's just the, oh, yeah. the lawyer in me. I'm always thinking that way. No, and, you know, I love that you brought that up because the other thing that you want to be sure of when you do get people to participate and sign that agreement is that you can use their likeness and image and branding and, and so forth in your marketing because that's another thing that you want to do if you're going to be taking clips from the webinar and repurposing them in video on YouTube and TikTok and reels and things like that, you want to be sure that you have permission to do that. Absolutely. So we didn't complete the list, but the list is going to be available on the podcast. Uh, from time to time, when we have time, we'll go over the rest of it. Thank you very much. Listen to KHS 1220 98.1 FM. Happy New Year 2023. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Tracy. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian radio show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.